Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Bengals aren't trading T. Higgins, but could there be a change at running back coming? Who has the most to gain from the NFL Combine? And the Rangers just position themselves for a Stanley Cup run. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. The Cincinnati Bengals had another terrific season in 2022, though not quite as terrific as 2021. You can't go to the Super Bowl every year. I guess no one told Tom Brady. But they had some questions heading into this offseason about the future of some of their core players. Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, would they be back? Would they be part of the long-term plan? We heard from Cincinnati Bengals head coach Zach Taylor and GM Duke Tobin at the Combine, and they had plenty to say about all of it. Joining me now to parse that, Jake Lisko from Locked on Bengals. And, and Jake, Bengals fans are going, there, there's no news. What are we talking about? But for the rest of us, we got excited about a T Higgins trade. We're wondering about Joe Mixon's future. So what, what did, what did us casual Bengals observers learn that the Bengals fans already knew? Anyone who's paid attention to the Bengals for any amount of significant time would know that Mike Brown is a stubborn man. And this is a team that values its assets when they are under contract and when they have control over said assets, this is not a team that trades players that they think can contribute to them winning football games or even out of stubbornness when they are retired and refusing to show up in the case of Carson Palmer until two first round picks were offered in exchange for his services. And they had already drafted Andy Dalton. So there's a a long history of this team, not trading players that they'd like. They'll trade players that they are ready to move on from Billy Price. One example where they recoup, bj hill plus a draft pick they turn around and then extend bj hill the next year they're very selective is the point about where they trade players they were never going to do what the tennessee titans did with aj brown especially after watching what aj brown did right 22 especially when he's still cost controlled on a second round rookie contract especially Mm -hmm. when joe burrow is still going into the fourth year of his rookie deal and they're coming off of two straight afc championship appearances What about the Joe Mixon part of this? Because the Bengals made some tweaks to their running game this past season that that I think were really cool. A lot of shotgun runs and and being um, able to be a little bit more multiple out of the gun rather than saying, okay, well, when we're under center, we're going to run. When we're in the gun, we're going to throw. But if you don't have Joe Mixon, how are you going to make the engine of this running game go? Is it someone in the draft? Is he going to be a part of this team? What is the future of Joe Mixon here? And what did we learn about it from the powers in Cincinnati. Duke Tobin spoke as if it's certainly something under review, which is more of a breadcrumb than I expected to get from the Bengals director of player personnel, not exactly a GM. Sorry to correct you there, Peter. No, it's all right. He doesn't quite have that title, which is a criticism of the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, but de facto GM speaking where all the GMs speak at the combine as, as everyone noticed on Tuesday. But said that they weren't sure where they would need money and that it was something they were going to have to look at. And that's the nature of second contracts for running backs in the NFL right now. Joe Mixon is 26 years old, but 
seems wow. to have hit some sort of wall in 2022. Was that because he was injured and playing through it? He denied it, but it looked like he was battling through an injury early in the year. Is that because he struggled to adapt at least in entirety to the Bengals schematic changes, although he was better at running out of the gun historically throughout his professional career and going back to Oklahoma doesn't seem to line up for me. Either way, the cap number for Joe Mixon is very large. And you look around the league, there are a lot of running backs available. There are a lot of running backs in this draft class. Joe Mixon may be faced with a decision that is take a pay cut or maybe take a restructured contract, not a restructure in the sense that you're going to convert salary to signing bonus, but in the sense that we're going to reduce your salary but give you incentives to reduce our cap hit this year. And if you still think you're good enough to hit these incentives, then you're still going to get paid. Stay up to date all year on the Cincinnati Bengals by following Locked On Sports today and Locked On Bengals on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, who has the most to gain from the NFL Combine? Before we answer that, the Seahawks are interested in drafting a quarterback. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to point scores and threes drained. The Miami Heat are home dogs tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. FanDuel likes Joel Embiid and company by one and a half in South Beach. You can also combine multiple prop bets in one game into a same game parlay for an even bigger payout. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. We are totally connected to the quarterbacks that are coming out. That's Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll to reporters at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis on Tuesday. Things are reportedly going well in the contract talk with Geno Smith, but that isn't stopping the Seahawks from scouting a possible QB of the future. Seahawks GM John Schneider simply said a lot when asked how much the Seahawks are looking at this year's quarterback class. It's no different from any other offseason for an organization that prides itself on leaving no stone unturned when it comes to player acquisition, with the notable caveat being that the Seahawks own the fifth overall pick in this year's draft via the Russell Wilson trade, of course, as well as their own, the number 20 overall pick. The Philadelphia Eagles' tactic of pushing the quarterback from behind on sneak plays has generated significant conversation at the NFL Scouting Combine, including among league's rule makers. All I know is everything we're doing is legal and it works, said Eagles Executive Vice President and GM Howie Roseman on Tuesday. And just because people do something that's really good doesn't mean it should be outlawed. The Eagles' ability to convert QB sneaks was incredible last season. They went and got it 29 out of 32 times, much of it being attributed to their habit of using teammates to push quarterback Jalen Hurts from behind while he's also plowing ahead using that powerful lower body. The NFL in 2005 removed language from the rulebook that prohibited pushing a ball carrier forward, and it's taken until now for a team to take full advantage, but the Eagles did in 2022. 
One game after LeBron James gets hurt and one loss for the LA Lakers as the Memphis Grizzlies cruised to a dub. Riddle me this, Locked On Grizzlies Now viewer, listener, beloved. How do you win a basketball game when shooting 19.4% from beyond the arc? The answer, have Ja Morant on your basketball team. I'm Joe Mullinax of Locked On Grizzlies, and holy crap, Ja Morant is really freaking good at basketball. A triple-double on the board, almost a 40-burger, 39 points. This guy did not make a single three-point shot. 15 of 24 from two-point land. And the most impressive part of it was the first half was not Jaws' friend, nor was it the friend of the Grizzlies. Memphis was down 49 to 46 at halftime. And then a third-quarter explosion from Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and the rest of the team helped put this game away alongside a holding serve in the fourth and final frame. Memphis is heading out on an important four-game road trip. This is a wonderful way to end their time at home with John Morant and company reminding the West they're a force to be reckoned with. Toronto Raptors took care of the Chicago Bulls. Don't look now, but the Toronto Raptors might have options. Sean Woodley here from Lockdown Raptors to break down the Toronto Raptors 104-98 win over the Chicago Bulls on Tuesday night to win their eighth of their last ten and finish eight and three in the month of February. And the big takeaway from this one is that the Raptors showed for one of the very first times all season at full health finally with Jakob Pertl now in the mix. Fred Van Vliet back from a personal absence from after the All-Star break. OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. back and healthy as well and finding their groove. The Raptors now have different ways that they can win basketball games. Their offense tonight was really grim, but their defense against the Chicago Bulls was outstanding. Scotty Barnes had himself a massive block fest in the fourth quarter. Four blocks in the game for the Raptors' sophomore. And while the Raptors have leaned on Jakob Pertl quite a bit since he's come back, he didn't even have to close this game as the Raptors went small to juice up their offense, and they ended up pulling out the win nonetheless with a strong defensive closing. And on the ice, the Florida Panthers' defense shut down the Tampa Bay Lightning in a big road win. The Florida Panthers had zero margin for error, and they got the job done at Emily Arena. What is up, guys? I'm Armando Velez from the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. The Florida Panthers defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning on the road by a final score of 4-1. to one. And this was about the Florida Panthers taking the shooting lanes away from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And even though they did go to the box five times, the Florida Panthers stopped the sec- league's second-best power play unit only allowing one power play both on the night and Eric Stahl that line was the story of the game as well as the top line of Anton Lundell, Sam Reinhart and Matthew Kachuk they really protected Sergei Bobrovsky tonight and Bobrovsky saved his best for last in the third period so listen to my recap of this 4-1 to win for the Florida Panthers over the Lightning make sure to listen to the next episode of Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your team every day Here is another story you need to know. It's every sports writer's favorite week, NFL Combine Week in Indianapolis. That has nothing to do with sports, by the way. They just love being in Indy and love telling you that they're in Indianapolis. Speaking of, from Indianapolis, Keith Sanchez, one of our new hosts of Locked On NFL Draft, is in Indy. He joins me now. And and Keith, the the Combine is as much about other big storylines as it is what's going on on the field with some of these uh, soon to be NFL draftees. 
the the story of day one, we got to hear from coaches and GMs. What was the other buzz that you were hearing, whether it was draft? What was the story for you that was your your takeaway that everyone was talking about from day one? Yeah, Peter. Well, first of all, I have to be honest, man. Uh, you called out all the sports writers and sports reporters, man. I definitely sent out my um, I'm in Indianapolis tweet this morning <laughs> just to let everybody know. So I'm, I'm guilty, man. I'm a part of the guilty party. But man, the biggest take from takeaway from me, obviously, it was just head coaches and general managers today was Pete Carroll. And I really appreciated his breakdown of um, it started with Geno Smith. Right. But then they quickly translated to quarterbacks who um, haven't been successful in the NFL and he talked about them not being successful and he kind of put more of the blame and more of the onus on the general managers the head coaches and the organization overall so I thought that was rather interesting because as fans right we sit there we watch quarterback two years you're done you're bad you're out of here and it's all your fault but man he kind of took he kind of stepped up there and he made more of the, the front office more accountable for the failures that we've seen at the quarterback position. That's particularly interesting because of what has happened with Russell Wilson, who was yeah. in that building and left for more power. And it seems like he got that power and it doesn't seem like it was the best decision for Russell Wilson. Yeah. As we get set to see these guys test before we do that, these guys have to get measured. And I understand if you're um, a, a, an average fan, any fan, even the people in the media go, this is all sort of silly, except some of these measurements for these players are going to be really important. I'm not sure I can remember anyone for whom the, their money is on the line more with these measurements than Bryce Young. Yes, no, I agree. I think so much is on the line, man. And it's not only a height thing, right? Because we've Kyler Murray is 5'9", five, 5'10", five, depending on who you're asking. We just talked about Russell Wilson. He's 5'10", Drew Brees sub six foot. So the height thing is not the issue. It's going to be the weight in his body yeah. structure, right? Because we always talk about those big 300-pound defensive linemen, and I'm more than sure it's going to scare the hell out of GMs when they think about a 300-pound guy possibly falling on type of Bryce Young if Bryce Young, you know, comes in and he's right at 190 pounds, right? So I think that's going to be the part. Not only is it going to be the height, but more so the weight um, perspective when it comes to Bryce Young. Is there a number that you think if he hits it, teams will go, okay, fine, or is this – Teams that were nervous before are probably going to be nervous after, and teams that would take him before are probably going to take him after. Yeah, I think the 200-pound threshold mm -hmm. would really make teams comfortable, right? But, man, if I had any advice to, to Bryce Young, man, is eat the protein, man. All the protein shakes, I don't care what flavor it is, man. Get it in and try to get over that 200 pounds because it's going to be more so how he looks also. And I've had the opportunity to, to you know, to see Bryce Young, meet him in person and everything. And I, I think it will be very important for him um, to come in at over 200 pounds for uh, NFL talent evaluators to feel comfortable with him. Yeah, no water cooler is going to be safe from Bryce Young this week. Yeah. He is going to be packing on the fluids, no doubt about that. Um, can you give me a couple names that you are excited to see work out? Maybe some guys who could help themselves with their testing. I'm thinking of guys like um, Devin Shane, thinking like Lucas Van Ness. Who are some of the names that you think we could be coming out of this weekend going, man, that, that player really helped themselves. They put on a show. Yeah, it's quite a few guys, man. I'll start with Florida defensive lineman Gervon Dexter. This guy's listed mm -hmm. at 6'6", 300 pounds, former five-star recruit, highly touted, athleticism, playing, played all over the defensive line, but was rather inconsistent. But I think what could help boost his stock is, is that if he comes in and he tests well, you're talking about a defensive lineman at 300 pounds running a sub five flat 40, then I think that's going to open some NFL talent evaluated eyes to where they're going to look at the potential of what he could be more than what he might have necessarily put on tape.
Stay up to date all year on the NFL Draft by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, the New York Rangers are gunning for a Stanley Cup after their latest trade. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Yeah, of course, we all are. Then you have to get on the Built Bar train. If you're like me, you always are trying to eat a little bit healthier, but you don't want to compromise on taste. So that's why I lean so heavily on Built Bar. I always have their bars in my pantry. I have them almost every day because they're the perfect on-the-go snack. Just grab them if I'm on the move or finish a workout, didn't have time to eat enough for lunch. I grab a Built Bar covered in 100% real chocolate. The flavor is unlike anything you've had in the space ever before flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I don't know how they do it, but they taste like candy while maintaining the amazing macros 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box. You go to built.com and order one, and you can wait. I do it. But you can also go to Walmart or Sam's Club and just pick up a box. How about a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs? How about a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro? The brownie batter. Go do it. You can thank me later. The New York Rangers just got Patrick Kane, and it feels like they're gearing up for a big Stanley Cup run. Locked on Rangers host John Chick joins Gil Martin to discuss the trade. Yeah, I think it's big. You know, I've been talking about this in the past. The Rangers went through that rebuild. Obviously, they were a tremendously young team. But, you know, when they were going through the rebuild, I always wanted them to just add maybe like one or two veterans, somebody who's won the Stanley Cup or at the very least has been part of some deep playoff runs and knows what it takes to win. Um, You know, the Rangers, they added Vladimir Vladimir Tarasenko, excuse me, uh, former Stanley Cup champion. Now you get Patrick Kane, who's won three. And obviously... You know, he's been a part of so many deep playoff runs for that Chicago Blackhawks team. So many, uh, you know, legendary series that he's been a part of. And uh, I think it helps a lot. You know, the the Rangers are still a young team, despite, you know, the deep run last season. And I think that was beneficial for some of the young players to make it as far as the team did last year. And hopefully they're better prepared for the playoffs this year as a result of that. But man, there, there's no uh, there's no substitute for somebody like Patrick Kane, who's won three Stanley Cups. I mean, the Rangers have players on their team right now that are, 20, 21, 22 years old. These guys were probably Patrick Kane in their backyard, you know, playing playing hockey and just goofing around. And now they get to be teammates with him. And, uh, you know, again, you, you bring in somebody that's a three-time Stanley Cup champion, it's instant credibility. Uh, I'm hoping that him and Panarin will just pick up where they left off and they can make some magic happen on the same line. But, yeah, just, just very, very excited to, to see what he can do. Is that where you see him fitting in with Panarin? How, how, who do you think the other line mate might be? Yeah, I think uh, you're probably looking at a situation where uh, you have a top line from left to right of Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, and Vladimir Tarasenko. They've had Tarasenko, and they moved him around just a little bit since they've acquired him, but the last handful of games, that's where he's been. And kind of just connecting the dots here, you know, if the Rangers are going to bring in Patrick Kane, which they now have, uh, it just makes the most sense to put Tarasenko where he's going to be after they bring in Patrick Kane. So I get the feeling that that line will remain intact. Uh, they've had a second line recently of left to right Panarin, Trocek, and Goodrow, Barclay Goodrow. Uh, I imagine Barclay Goodrow probably drops down to the fourth line now. Patrick Kane slots in there with Trocek and with Panarin. And uh, the third line would be, uh, you know, the kid line, uh, Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako, who, you know, came into their own during last year's playoffs. And 
been a little bit hot and cold this season, but if that's your third line, I mean, I think you got a heck of a team. So very much looking forward to that as well. And he's got to be able to help on the power play, I would think. Yeah, it's crazy. I just did an episode. It's actually premiering on YouTube right now. You know, the Kane reaction episode or whatever you want to call it. But I tried to figure out like, okay, who's going to be on what power play unit and how do you distribute the ice time? I would imagine, yeah, see if I can remember, you know, how I had this set up. Uh, top unit of Kane, uh, Kreider, Mika, Panarin, and Fox. And that's just absolutely ridiculous. You can put guys like Tarasenko and Trocek and uh, Hedl. Um, you know, Ke'Andre Miller is suspended right now, so probably Jacob Trubo would be the defenseman on that unit. And then either Kako or Lafreniere, one of those two is not going to be on the power play in, in my estimation. So uh, just kind of an embarrassment of riches as far as uh, you know, the power play units are concerned right now. Stay up to date all year on the New York Rangers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Rangers on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. And finally, you've heard about the robo-umps. But how about no umps? The Pittsburgh Pirates and Baltimore Orioles finished the top of the ninth with the home team Pirates ahead 7-4. Game over, right? Well, both teams wanted to get some more pitches in and agreed to play the bottom half of the inning. But the umpires did, <laughs> did not agree to stay. With the umpires gone, the balls and strikes were called by the catcher, just like it's done in a backyard game. Chief umpire Chad Fairchild was not about to work overtime, though. Who can blame him? I'm, I bet there are some players that were going, this is better. Maybe some fans too. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who has the most work to do for the NFL draft? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.